my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Math & Magic, a production of iHeartRadio. A brand is always more than a display of product. And this is something most of the car makers have forgotten. You know, a brand should be a statement. It should be a persona. It should come with a purpose and it should be a promise. Then when you have all that, then and only then uh, the single products become a family and the family becomes a brand. I'm Bob Pittman, and welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. We explore the analytical and the creative, and today we have a Frenchman who works for an Italian company and lives in Detroit. That in itself is probably a podcast. Olivier Francois is the CMO of Fiat Chrysler and the originator of one of the best repositioning marketing lines I've ever heard, imported from Detroit. He's the creative force behind those iconic ads that featured legends from Eminem to Clint Eastwood to Bob Dylan, and they have even remarketed Detroit, making it cool and vibrant again. Olivier speaks at least three languages. He's a published poet. He's had his own music company, still uses that skill as a competitive advantage in business. He even had an export business that included jams and skis. He has a life that spans continents and ideas that span genres. He has a great story about how he made the jump to the car business, which we'll get to. I met Olivier in Turin because I could never get in to see him in Detroit. So I decided to stop and see him there. He has offices everywhere, always on the go. So we have a lot to discuss today. Welcome, Olivier. Thank you for having me. Well, we're delighted to have you. And before we get into all the meaty stuff, we have a little feature we start with, which is called You in 60 Seconds. This is going to be rapid-fire questions. Don't think about it. Just give us your answer. Vanilla or chocolate, which do you prefer? There's no need to choose. There's a mix. In Italy, it's called stracciatella. It's delicious. France or Italy? Italy, because they invented stracciatella. New York City or L.A.? Massey, Detroit. Detroit or Turin? I want to say, actually, Miami. <laughs> okay. Motown or hip-hop? Definitely Motown. But, hey, Eminem is the son of Motown, so those two things can come together nicely, no? Powerboats or sailboats? Sailboats or solar powerboats, maybe. Zoolander or Ron Burgundy? 
Aha, Ron Burgundy. Da Vinci or Galileo? Da Vinci, you know why? Because he was Italian, but spent most of his life in France. So double culture, I can definitely relate to this. Imported from Detroit or halftime in America? Imported to America, like me. It's about to get harder. What secret talent do you have? Boy maker. I have four boys. Favorite European city? Venice. It's underwater. I love it. Favorite American city? Miami. It's underwater. I love it. Favorite poet? So I'm hesitating between Baudelaire, Shakespeare, and Eminem, but we'll say Baudelaire because I'm French. Favorite artist? Oh, okay. That's a chance to say Eminem then. Most prestigious award you've ever received? Look, the high school diploma. That was a pure miracle at the time. Historical idol? I hate idols. No idols. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Get rid of the French accent. Who would play you in a movie? I have no clue. Proudest achievement? Marrying my wife, Ariana, and keep making her happy. What's one food you'd never eat? I eat everything. Spoken like a true Italian Frenchman. Is it a Detroiter? Let's jump for a few minutes to your big inspirational moments. Here at iHeart, we have a wildly popular podcast with Ron Burgundy, and you had a wildly successful ad campaign with Ron Burgundy as well. Where'd that come from? This comes from the idea that I think what makes a big difference in marketing is authenticity. So what we always try to do is align our brand, its ethos, its personality with someone who embodies exactly the same set of values. And that was very much Eminem and Chrysler in that moment, obviously, to just use an example. Ron Burgundy was incredibly what I wanted to do with Dodge at the time. Not Will Ferrell, literally the character. We saw it was very irreverent. It embodied exactly the personality of Dodge as I saw it at the time. How did you put that together? So you have this idea. Did you say, wow, Ron Burgundy's it? Or did someone tell you how about Ron Burgundy? No, someone told you. My buddy, Tim Koniskis. I mean, there is an element of American culture that I obviously do not have. So this is a handicap. At the same time, it's a blessing because obviously I'm open to everything and I have developed some antennas, you know, that allow me to understand, to smell, to feel what's good, what's maybe not that good. And in this case, I thought that uh, that could be something very innovative. You mentioned Zoolander. We also did a Fiat campaign with Ben Stiller. It was not Ben Stiller, obviously, embodying Fiat. It was Derek Zoolander. This was an amazing commercial. Actually, it ran in the whole world. And the beauty here is it's all about a partnership. So these guys have a movie they want to promote. You know, think of Fast and Furious and Vin Diesel. Same story. You know, they want to promote their movie. Generally, they are producers of their own movie. So obviously, there's some interest in having a media partner. So I hire the character, not the actor. The character, uh, we develop a commercial. Hey, uh, in some cases, I think that the campaign was better than a movie. I won't bring any name, but uh, I think that in some of these cases, the campaign was probably almost overpromising. So you bring Ron Burgundy in. This is going to be your campaign. You tell people internally in the company, I have this great idea, Ron Burgundy. Do people go brilliant or they go, wow, that's risky? No, I didn't tell anyone in the company. We just do it. So that's the empowerment we have. FCA is all about leadership. And leadership is about taking your responsibilities and obviously about accountability. If it fails, it is your own failure. So the day I understood that it was probably not a great idea to share ideas in advance was actually this imported from Detroit idea where I shared it. It was almost my very first campaign and I was not totally sure. And Clearly, the advice were not positive. You know, uh, don't bring up Detroit. Detroit is not uh, liked. Uh, people don't connect with Detroit. That's a euphemism. Eminem is probably a little bit controversial and blah, blah. The only thing these advisors didn't think of telling me is that you could not do a two-minute Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> so the first part of the advice, uh, I luckily ignored it was probably not a bad advice. It just turned out not being what people were afraid of, you know. Uh, Math beats magic. Yes, exactly. Hard to predict the magic. Talk about imported from Detroit, which I'm a marketer at heart, and it's one of the greatest lines I've ever heard. Where did that line come from? So that line came totally incidentally from a speech. I came from Fiat, and I was called by our late boss, Sergio Marchionne, to lead Chrysler. And uh, I was leading another 
European car maker there. So we said, hey, come over. I need you for Chrysler. And the first thing we did, we had to bring new models. So um, the shortest time to market we could uh, think of was to take the old Sebring. That was not the greatest car we had, to be totally fair. Fix it. Make some things that would really match the level of qualities we wanted for Chrysler. So we fixed the quality. We fixed the design, yet it was not a brand new car. It was a facelift. So we named it Chrysler 200, which was almost a bit overstating the newness of the car. And then the slot that we had to launch the car was LA, the LA Auto Show. Detroit was a bit too far ahead. LA seemed perfect. Obviously, uh, I was so terribly ignorant of all things America. I am still ignorant, but then it was really pathetic. So one thing I didn't know is that the LA Auto Show is literally the import Detroit. I mean, it is really where you celebrate Japanese cars, German cars, maybe Italian cars, by the way, but for sure not a Chrysler. So too late, I'm on stage presenting my new baby. And that was obviously one of the most important moments in my life because this was a question of life or death for the whole company and not just for me. And when I realized that LA is home of the imports, they respect quality, design, and more importantly, fuel efficiency. And at the time, back in 2010, 11, I mean, design, we were making progress, quality, as I just said, we were making big strides, fuel efficiency, not so much. But the Chrysler 200 had something to say, so I just instinctively pitched it. I made this up on stage. I say, hey, I know that you guys like imports, and we are in LA, so look at this car, like imported from Detroit. It was just my ending. And actually, a couple of people came and said, that would be a good line for an ad. And then I thought of it, you know, and I said, yeah, that's a good line for an ad. Then clearly the soundtrack came. Uh, I have four kids, two of which at the time were very much into hip hop and introduced me to Eminem. And obviously, when we started thinking of Detroit, obviously that uh, tune came to mind. When you have one chance, one opportunity, that totally connects together Chrysler, Detroit, and all of America. So I was obsessed with securing that song, which ended up being a, an endeavor, to say the least. I'm certain. Once I had the song, Eminem was so intrigued. You know, he, he was never scripted to be in the commercial. He was just kind of probably intrigued and at the same time maybe a little bit scared by, rightfully so, you know, what are these advertisers going to do with my song? I promised him that it would be probably more largely about Detroit than just about a car, for sure, or even a brand. Uh, but he came on set and then it just uh, magic happened. So um, from uh, 600 cars per month to 6,000 after the commercial, that's a math uh, aspect. And, and the magic is what happened in the whole country because obviously the commercial resonated with more than just Detroit, with more than just car guys. It resonated as a message of pride for all of America. What was Detroit's reaction to it, the whole community? I know that's a town of cars. It's the Motor City. How did they feel about it? They felt incredible. I mean, it was really our love declaration to our hometown. But really, again, as I said before, it went above and beyond uh, Detroit. Because all of America, they didn't like very much Detroit in that moment. I mean, they didn't like the model city. Right. People were very suspicious when it came to Detroit and when it came to all these bankruptcies. But there was a spirit, there was a mindset and an attitude in that commercial. And that's very largely due to Eminem and to his music. The images were pretty good, too. And the images were very good, Detroit too. Detroit looked very cool. It made Detroit look very cool. And it's a mix of images that some we captured that day, some we had captured. I mean, that was something we totally made up. We were not even sure that we would even air a Super Bowl commercial. We were a bailout company. And my boss and our management until the last moment were assessing whether airing a big commercial during a Super Bowl was a good thing or a bad thing. Would there be a backlash? We had secured, I think, in 90 seconds, but that thing was just magical and beautiful as a two-minute. So we also had to buy the extra 30-second 
convinced the NFL to innovate because there were no such things as a two-minute Super Bowl commercial. So um, the magic almost of ignorance because we had really no clue that Eminem would not license a song, that Eminem would not uh, appear in a commercial, uh, and that two minutes of advertising could not fit a Super Bowl part, you know? So you talk a little bit about being the outsiders. You hit town, Sergio, the whole gang from Italy. Certainly you were outsiders. Did this commercial change who you were in Detroit to that Detroit community, or were you still every bit as much an outsider after this? When I first came to town, you know, I was uh, in a hotel, totally stuck, snow outside, rain, terrible weather. I could not even totally locate Michigan on the map. I turned on the TV and I remember still today the commercials. I was so shocked. You know, this one day only sales event. We don't have such things in Italy. I mean, one day only sales event, zero down deals. I remember sharing with my friends everywhere, all these prices ending up in 99. It seemed like America would buy anything that ended in 99. So I was totally clueless. So I first blamed it on a culture barrier, obviously, blamed it on a jet lag. But really, as a marketer, I just realized that these guys were totally lost. They were speaking to themselves. They didn't connect to me because they didn't connect to anyone else. You know, when you're in a panic mode, you lose your mind. That is a little bit what the whole auto industry did back in 2009 and 2010. So then the next thing I did, I started visiting houses and apartments. All I knew about America was New York. I hoped that there would be some kind of Manhattan in Detroit. I didn't know. So I asked my driver, you know, to just take me through Detroit and uh, let's decide where I'm going to live. He was laughing because obviously there was nowhere to live. Today, the city center is all vibrant, is amazing. Everyone wants to move downtown Detroit. Even from but New York, they want to move Even from New York. Right. That's maybe my biggest pride. No, no, having been part of that movement. So, but now, touring in a car with this guy who had a gun uh, next to him because that's how dangerous the city was. At the same time... This is what, 2010? 2009. Nine. And it became very obvious that this city had a story to tell. There was a spirit. There was this mindset. There was something so much bigger than this 99-cent commercial, these cup holders and, and all this. So uh, this is what I decided to deliver. In marketing, it's not about shooting for the perfect commercial. It's always about shooting for the perfect moment. Right. And that commercial just came at the perfect moment. So let's um, jump. Yes. I want to go way back. I want to go back to your childhood. Where did you grow up? Paris. Siblings? I have one brother. My brother, like the rest of my family before me, are very serious people. I had philosophers. I had teachers. I had artists in my family. My brother is a super brilliant law professor at the university in Paris. And the one thing we never had, and it was probably one of the pride of the family, we never had people like me, salespeople, the worst Market. of the worst. Marketers. marketers, oh my God. And car marketers oh is probably the God. worst thing you can... What do they make of your life? I'm one of a kind in this super intellectual family. I'm the one who didn't make it, you know. I'm the one who failed and I'm a car salesman. And there is no way they will uh, change their mind, which is totally fine with me. I totally get it. They don't think I'm crazy. I'm just probably the you know, one who didn't follow the um, his DNA. I probably have something else in the DNA. Uh, a recessive gene. A recessive past. gene. I started well in life. I used to write poetry. Did you write poetry as a kid or this is after school? I did write poetry as a kid. and uh, It sounds like that was sort of the household. DNA. This was a household DNA. I was super intellectual. What did you learn from childhood that you apply to marketing? As you introduced me very generously when you're a Frenchman working for an Italian car company in America, you never know totally in what language this is going to be. And what's interesting about language is that it drives a certain type of culture. Italian, as an example. Italian is a language of music. There's a musicality in Italian. And the words of music, the language of music, allegro, uh, con brio, uh, forte, legato, crescendo. What is French? French is all about romance. I really think that French is a language of love. 
you know, if you think of rendezvous, escapade, ménage à trois, I'm kidding, but all these French words that you use here in America, what is the addition of English besides the French kiss? If you think, what are the words that are not translatable uh, in any other language? Marketing. I swear, I tried to Google translate marketing. And there's another word, by the way, leadership. I tried to translate leadership. What is the concept then in French for marketing or leadership? There is none. I mean, it translates marketing, even in French. It doesn't so translate. It's in English. It is only in English. And I like this idea of my triple DNA helix, or at least my kids will have this triple. You know. So on one hand, there is this taste for romance and philanthropy as well, you know, super important for us. French people, this openness to the world. This is what I get from my childhood. And then all these, uh, you know, I married an Italian singer, I live in Italy, and this all this addition of the language of and the culture of arts, of music, of beauty, of uh, Dolce Vita. And then now there is the American addition. That's leadership, that's marketing, that's business. And I love this mix. Just hold on a second because we've got so much more to talk about. We'll be back after a quick break. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Math & Magic. 
So after school, you actually went into IT. Here you are, the greatest magician, and you were a mathematician. Is that right? I was in data IT. You seem like the least likely person to be in data. You're totally right. So what happened is I needed a job badly, and I was pretty, pretty broke. And I ended up overselling myself to the first entrepreneur. Actually, I met him at the hairdresser. And I tried to bullshit a lot about uh, what I could do in IT. Truth is, I did a very short and little internship at IBM. Not a bad one, you know, but the kind of internship when, when you make copies and serve coffees. That's all I had done in the IT business. I convinced him to hire me. And guess what? It went well. Obviously, I ended up selling IT more than programming or doing uh, anything else. But hey, I was lucky. It went well. And I had very good years there. You then went into the music business. You had your own record label. Tell us about that. So what I love about life is when it really comes full circle. And this is really what it does. Because, yeah, my biggest ambition was to either write poetry or produce music. I mean, I can read music. I went to the conservatory, but I'm not a great musician, to be honest. I have a good ear, I think. I started with the ambition of being a music producer. So I started a little label in Paris. Didn't do amazing. Didn't do horrible either. You know, I could make a living. But in the meantime, I married my first wife, who gave me three wonderful children. And rightfully so, you know, women are smarter than we are. And her plan for family was obviously not to marry a music guy or to provide her kids with a music producer. She wanted a real guy with a real job. So reluctantly, but okay, you know, out of love, I said, okay, I'm going to, to do something else. So I applied very randomly, to be totally honest. There was this uh, car company around the corner in Paris, very prestigious, called Citroën, and that's still around and so I got hired and uh, I left my record business did some very data driven by the way job I started in pricing so my job was to recommend I didn't decide anything but I was recommending what the ideal pricing should be for our cars looking at the margins looking at the profitability looking at the competitiveness so a uh, lot of data a lot of lotus one two three right and uh, I loved it, by the way. I was absolutely a master in Lotus 123. And hey, I thrived in this new environment, forgot totally about uh, music, arts. We grew our children, and uh, Citroën grew me very nicely. So you, how did you progress in the company? Because you went on to run various countries for yes. Citroën, right? So uh, in the first step, I had absolutely no ambition, to be totally honest. I still do not have a lot of ambition besides, you know, making living and have some quality time with my loved ones. That's my biggest ambition in life. But they were good enough to me, you know, to um, promote me every, almost every year, every two years. And at some point after 10 years of being in these big headquarter corridors, I missed my entrepreneurship, you know, I missed the thrill that I experienced for a few years as a music producer. I asked uh, if there was some possibility of just, you know, uh, managing uh, even a little company within the company. And that little company was Citroën Denmark. Then I went from Denmark to Italy and uh, still for the same company. And in Italy, I started uh, learning marketing because in Italy, it's all about the image. It's not about the horsepower or the specs of the car you're going to buy. It's how are you going to look like? If you are seen driving one in Italy, it's very much about the image you are going to project. So uh, obviously, it's terribly about marketing. And the company was not in good shape in terms of perceived image. So we started this work. So first, marketing costs a lot of money. So I first had to find some resources. So um, started restructuring our network, uh, cut into a lot of expenses, and creating critical mass that could uh, allow us to spend on marketing. Media is one thing. The message is super important. So when it comes to the message, I started partnering with influencers. We had Dolce Gabbana as an example, uh, partnering with us. I had Bob Pittman of Italy, literally the biggest radio guy, becoming an influencer for me and was uh, featured in some of our campaigns. So the whole thing, big use of radio. To the credit of radio, there's so much you can do that you can't do with TV or print. We did this big 
venture with a radio and brought back that company. So you know, you to the, double the market share there too? We actually almost tripled the market share. Wow. That was pretty incredible. Now, that was extremely facilitated by something else that's super important, uh, which is the domestic leader, and that was Fiat. Think of how ironic things are, you know. And the domestic leader was weak at the time. I mean, we was in a very, very bad shape. Was Sergio there then? And Sergio was not there. And I was obviously managing, you know, to conquest customers. Fiat was, was kind of feeding my business. And then one day, this incredible, hyper, super charismatic guy, out of nowhere, no one knew him, and called me to Fiat. It was losing one million a day. So first moment, I was not really convinced that that was the right thing to do for, at least to my family, you know. Obviously crazy attracted by the challenge, incredibly attracted uh, by the character. I mean, uh, Sergio, what a character, what a charisma. But at the same time, I was not sure it was the right thing to do uh, in terms of personal life. So uh, I turned him down a couple of times. And then he called me a third time, but that time for the right reason. That was so unexpected. I had published a poetry book at some point. And he bought that book and called again. And he wanted me because of the book, not just because I was a good car salesman. And I loved that thing. I saw that was totally irresistible. And I had to work for a person like this. What year was this? And that was in 2005. Okay. So you go to Fiat. What's your first car there? Fiat was a group with, it was not the house of brands that we have today, but it had this little super Italian brand called Lancia. And what I asked Sergio, I said, look, uh, okay, I think I'm going to join the Fiat group, but I want to grow my knowledge of the car business. I want to head one of your car companies. So give me the smallest one, but I want to get into that experience of uh, building cars, designing cars, producing cars, not just selling or marketing. So he gave me this very super small Italian uh, boutique brand uh, called Lancia. That's really very Dolce Vita, very refined, beautifully crafted um, uh, little cars. There is nothing more Italian than uh, Lancia. So I, I fell in love with the brand. And, um, but very quickly, I realized that our cash position, we are not financially in position to invest a lot of money. So marketing, again, I was given enough money to life cycle animation, refresh the car, put the right engine, change the interior, but never to launch the next big thing. Really what changed my life was a couple campaigns that I did to promote my brand. So one campaign, since I didn't have much money also for marketing, I needed to be very noisy to be very loud. So one campaign was taking advantage of the Olympic Games in Beijing. And so I was very much leaning toward uh, Tibet and free Tibet and uh, stumbled on an article about Richard Gere, uh, who is extremely respected and loved um, also in Europe. And uh, obviously, I mean, he's huge there. And um, so I convinced him to do a kind of a pro-free Tibet commercial. And that thing went nuts. And obviously, we're running it, uh, taking advantage of, of the uh, Olympics. So uh, that was a little bit of a provocation. I stopped airing the commercial at some point. But that got me to something else. So the former Russian president, Gorbachev, called me one day. I received that call in my office. Absolutely incredible. With a translator. So he heard of this commercial. So that was pretty bold and offered us to supply the Nobel laureates. So he was heading uh, the summit of the Peace Nobel laureate. So he, he just offered us to supply them with cars for their summit. So, okay, fine. I love that opportunity. But that was another defining moment because the day before the summit, I decided to make the travel to Paris and the summit was in Paris with a very light crew, literally uh, two guys and a camera. 
And we created a video, an advertisement, pleading for freedom for Aung San Suu Kyi, the current Burmese leader, but who had been under house arrest for many, many years. So we created that piece with obviously the complicity of all the Nobel laureates. They are all featured in a car. Gorbachev, Dalai Lama, I think Mandela was part of it. I mean, that was pretty crazy. And so I, I started running uh, that uh, commercial that was obviously featuring a car, but obviously it was about something more. My boss stumbled on it. When he called me, I immediately knew that it would be either very good or very bad, but it turned out very good. You know, he, he literally recognized that uh, there was something about marketing uh, that we were doing uh, that he, he liked. So he created that position of CMO that didn't exist at the time. For all of Fiat. For all of Fiat. So that's Fiat, Lancia, uh, Alfa Romeo, Maserati, our group. Yeah, That's fun. So we jump, you guys go to, and you do incredible stuff, and you're legendary for that period. You guys get Chrysler. This is in the depths of the recession of 2008, 2009. What was your original plan for Chrysler? I mean, you guys couldn't have studied it a whole lot other than to know it's one of the big three in Detroit. Sergio became very quickly uh, extremely aware that the biggest strength for a car maker are his brands. I think that our new CEO, Mike Manley, is even more convinced. He was running, he's still running, by the way, the, the Jeep brand uh, with incredible success. Fantastic brand. Uh, and we are all fantastic brand. It is actually Mike's, he speaks of a house of brands. And it is so true. The real worth of the Chrysler Group uh, were its brands. There are no cars, not many at least, but hey, Dodge, Jeep, Chrysler, we spinned off these Ram trucks out of Dodge in order to give Dodge its own personality and create a truck-centric brand. So the, the recipe for that, or the principles, you know, um, they're very simple. Everything you do, you need to be brand-centric. It sounds obvious, but it is absolutely not. I mean, you need to recognize the brand in a commercial without uh, even having to see a car. And that's what we do still today. Then the second thing, be bold and always unexpected, always unpredictable. I mean, if you run together with the others at the same pace, and that was, you know, Alice in Wonderland, the Red Queen, uh, that's a metaphor from Red Queen, where, you know, Alice is running together with everyone and it's like she's static. She doesn't move. But if you run quicker, then you are going to be exhausted. So you just need to be different, to do things differently. Uh, and we, we spoke of that with Eminem, with everything we did. And uh, the, the third thing, and that's really something super important when it comes to marketing, make a connection. It sounds obvious, but my first encounter with marketing in America, the prices in 99, the one-day sales event, this kind of pathetic marketing looking for short-term sales, they didn't connect with anyone. They were not relatable. They were speaking to themselves. Relatable is something else. I mean... If I can relate to your advertising message, that's probably half the battle. And no nonsense, you know. Then you make a connection. And last, be relevant. I mean, we spoke of how the Eminem commercial was relevant uh, and how the moment is important to what you do. Once again, my conviction is you need to build your brands first before even building your products because there is more value in selling a product through a brand than trying to sell a brand through its newest product. A brand is always more than a display of product. And this is something most of the car makers have forgotten. You know, A brand should be a statement, it should be a persona, it should come with a purpose, and it should be a promise. Then, when you have all that, then and only then, the single products become a family and the family becomes a brand. You've got an incredible philosophy about advertising. You've got a history, you've got enormous experience, and you've got an amazing team in Detroit, Susan, Bruce, and all the others. Yep. You've got the idea. What's the process? I got this aha moment, and we're gonna get this thing on the air. Oh, totally. If you take positioning as an example, you know, we spoke of imported from Detroit. It's not just a line. It's not just a tagline or punchline, or it is the positioning of 
Chrysler because it defines specifically our market space. You know, the quality and refinement of an import, but that celebrates at the same time the spirit of a city. That's imported from Detroit. Then if I go the Brotherhood of Muscle, what brand is that? You know it. It's Dodge. It's obvious. You know, um, build to serve. It's not Dodge. That's Ram. And that's exactly why we separated the two brands. And if I go Freedom and Adventure, Bob? Jeep. 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 Perfect. You know, mechanics of emotion. That's Alpha. So that's what I call positioning. It, it defines your turf. If you take uh, Jeep, I mean, it's a quintessential because I know you love Jeep, no? I, I take, have the, take Jeep, Jeep, I have the Jeep Wagoneers with the wood grain on the doors, and I'm still waiting for that to come back and my tail hatch that comes down in the back, tailgate. Look, the good news is it will come back. Uh, we already said, and you won't have to, to wait for long. This morning about Jeep, by the way, thinking of the podcast, you know, so um, take all the credit. I saw a Jeep, and I realized that really my recipe for Jeep is what I called the triple A. Adventure, Authenticity, Americana. Talk about radio a little bit. You've been a great user of the influencers, the on-air personalities. Right. I remember after the Super Bowl, you had that fantastic long video of the Vikings coming to Minneapolis and turning around. And our folks talked about it Monday morning to drive the views on YouTube. You suddenly tied together a TV ad, radio, and YouTube all on one campaign that work seamlessly together. How do you think about those pieces like that? So yeah, there are many elements in your um, question. So first I would like to touch the people story, you know, the endorsers, um, characters, and, and also music. Music is super important, unless you have a question no, about music no, coming. come on. Let's speak of music. So now people is super important. What I call people is who you will see in the driver's seat. So I spoke of my Italian experience. It's all about how am I going to look like while driving that car. So the selection of who you are going to put behind the wheel is super, super important because ultimately we want you to be in the driver's seat. So you need someone relatable, but at the same time, an aspirational version of you, you know, the Ryan Gosling version of Bob Pittman, you know. I'll and, take uh, that. So this is a little bit how we select our endorsers. And we had them all, honestly. Ron Burgundy, we had Diddy, uh, Dre, uh, Oprah, Lenny Kravitz, Charlie Sheen. That was uh, one of super most funny operations we ran with Fiat. Clint Eastwood, obviously, such amazing. a blessing, amazing. Or Bob Dylan. I mean, I'm blessed to have worked with people like this. Now, you know what's super interesting Really, deep down, as a marketing technique, I hate endorsement. It's a shortcut to buy recognition. You borrow equity rather than to build it. So don't get me wrong. My approach on endorsement is not the traditional way. You know, In Europe, we know you can buy anyone. You, know, you have incredible American celebrities selling espressos in Germany, in Italy, in France. Everyone has a price, almost everyone. I mean, there's one I would like to, I always dream to work with, and that's Bruce Springsteen. He doesn't have a price. Bruce Springsteen won't endorse. We know that. But it's very often about the checkbook. And the use I like about endorsers is when they are themselves. I spoke of authenticity before. This is exactly what I'm looking for. Now, if we talk about music, that's my favorite, obviously. And that's where I said in the beginning when it's great when things in life come full circle. I've never been dealing as much with music as I'm today, you know. So the failed music producer is now dealing with all the music powerhouses. of. This may uh, be a secret, so I don't want to let it out. But you said not only do you have a persona for every brand, but you have a sound. You have the music for every brand. Totally have a music for every brand. I mean, the soundtrack of the brand is what I call my playlist. So I think to a marketer, music and radio are the most amazing tool you can dream of. First, because it helps you carving your special place in the culture. Second, because it gets you the perfect connection with your target. And now I'm thinking of radio as much as I'm thinking Absolutely. of music. I mean, that's exactly what I'm buying when I have a radio media buy. I buy an incredibly personal connection to the target. You got a friend. I got I a mean, friend. I mean, that's what our people on the that's air are. That's exactly there's what it is. friend talking to them. And third, 
and that's maybe more for the music, it helps you amplify the brand personality. Clearly, if you select the right genre in a very consistent manner, it will help you identify a brand in a commercial. That's kind of a subconscious connection with the consumer. And by the way, indeed, if I hear the music, I can tell you which car you're talking about. You really have done an admirable job. Exactly. So what is super important, by the way, I mean, what we try to do with music, so obviously we partnered with many, many artists. I think the biggest achievements are when you are able to break a new song. That's really what I like. Ex-ambassadors. Ex-ambassadors, as an example, with Renegade. Right. Literally a song. Literally. Yeah, music and marketing, there is a kind of a secret sauce. And what's funny, by the way, Bob, is that uh, I came up with that thing kind of, you know, I made it up uh, on a fire chat with you uh, in Detroit um, somewhere. And um, then I wrote it down. And then it became kind of my religion when it comes to music. So uh, what is it about? I think uh, if you really want to connect in a very organic manner a song and a campaign, you have to look at four elements. Uh, the sound, the lyrics, the alignment with the audience, and the following of the artist. So, I mean, sound is about authenticity. The sound will make it sound Jeep or Dodge or Ram or Chrysler or none of them. So that's obviously super important. A Jeep would be rock, indie rock, folk, whatever. Again, I said authenticity, adventure, Americana. It cannot be anything else than American. My ideal sound for Jeep is Queen meets Imagine Dragons in a something very anthemic. That's the Jeep sound I'm dreaming of. And obviously, country music is home of Ram, and hard rock is home of Dodge, and so on. Then, as I said before, a good ad needs to be meaningful, no nonsense. And the lyrics are going to make it meaningful or not. You know, I was mentioning One Republic's uh, Connection or the Renegade song. That was all, was 100% meaning. Then it needs to be relevant. What made the magic of the Eminem campaign is that obviously the lyrics and the alignment of Eminem himself made the whole message relevant. And then, as I said before, if you want to be relatable, you need to think of your audience and who they relate to. What I think is great about this coming full circle about music is that I can totally relate to the challenge that is breaking a new song. As a former producer, I know how exhausting it is to promote a new track. It's slow, it's expensive, and it's always a very long shot, which is exactly why the smartest labels are looking for shortcuts. And they come to us. They understand that I will never misuse the creative work and do bad marketing with it. But on the other hand, it's a win-win. And it feels good because it's always about helping a good cause. I mean, and that's back to my French roots about this romantic way to see at business, music and culture definitely worth helping. So, Olivier, we've gone full circle. We've gone from you started in music, you had to get out of it to get a real job, and you've come back to being this genius of marketing, and you're back to music. So let me end with the way we always end every episode. We're going to do two things. It's back to math and magic. Think about the analytical, the master of the numbers to run a business, the master of data. Who's the greatest mathematician you've known? Hmm, I would say Johann Sebastian Bach. He made music out of math. Okay, we'll move to magic then. Who's the greatest magician you know, not including you? Definitely Johann Sebastian Bach. He made music out of math. Love it. Olivier, thank you. Thank you. Here's some things I heard in my conversation with Olivier. In Olivier's words, a brand should make a statement. It should come with a purpose and a promise. Two, one of Olivier's tricks is to come up with a soundtrack for every brand he manages. It's a novel way to understand and communicate the spirit of the brand. Three, don't run away from who you are. Figure out how to make it work for you. Imported from Detroit did exactly that. Thanks for listening. I'm Bob Pittman. That's it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to Math & Magic, a production of iHeartRadio. The show is hosted by Bob Pittman. Special thanks to Sue Schillinger for booking and wrangling our wonderful talent, which is no small feat. 
Nikki Etor for pulling research, Bill Plax and Michael Azar for their recording help, our editor Ryan Murdoch, and of course, Gail, Raul, Eric, Angel, Noel, Mango, and everyone who helped bring this show to your ears. Until next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready for Smart Money Happy Hour. Pull up a chair. It's the happy hour you wish your friends were having. Mix two money experts with some hot takes and a splash of nostalgia, and you get me, George Campbell. And me, Rachel Cruz, talking unfiltered about what's going on in the world, pop culture, and how to afford a life you love. We're talking money, celebrity budgets, and my budget for my two French Bulldogs. It's a lot. <laughs> You'll hear it all on Smart Money Happy Hour. Listen on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts.